beer tends to, craft beer specifically, I should say, tends to draw some really, really nice characters. So I'm proud yeah. to be a part of it. Welcome to Tap That AZ. I'm your host, Eric Walters. In this episode, I sit down with Steve McFate from McFate Brewing Company, or as I still call it, Fate Brewing Company. Many of you know the story behind that. If you don't, stay tuned, and we'll talk about that in this episode. But uh, Steve has been one of those guys that I've wanted as a guest on the show for a long time. So the original location they opened up on Scottsdale Road in Shea was uh, my local spot. I lived uh, just a couple miles from there, so... Um, great food, great people, great beer, and I just wanted, you know, Steve's got that reputation in this industry of just being a great guy who's willing to help uh, whoever needs help, so wanted to get him on the show and talk with him, and uh, he did not disappoint, just a great guy, and I uh, hope you enjoyed this conversation. Don't forget to check out our YouTube channel now, we're putting videos up uh, for uh, some of the episodes we do. No video for this one, but um, but but stay tuned, um, hopefully we'll get back there sometime and, and, and do a video. Uh, for this, but um, yeah, check out the YouTube channel, and uh, yeah, let's tap into McFate Brewing Company. We're going to start right now, and Steve is starting off, he's got some questions for me. Yep, so I was just curious how this all came about, what yeah. your uh, interest level is, what you know brought you to want to do something like this, um, what's the end game, what's the goal, uh, hobby, something you want to turn into regular content, uh, you know, just yeah. curious to hear your story yeah well yeah so I started off with um, so I didn't drink much uh, craft beer in Ohio like we didn't really have a huge um, at least where I grew up it was like bush light and if you were crazy and like outside the box you drank uh, like Killian's right <laughs> so so that was the big outside the box so I moved out here in 2007 and the first taste of craft beer that I had uh, was Beaver Street Railhead Red so that one was like, wow, this is really good. This is like, it was better than anything I ever had. Um, and then shortly after that, Mother Road opened up and that black IPA, the Lost Highway, just blew me away. So, so I've always liked craft beer. Um, and I did a podcast with a friend, a music podcast, and we always talked about what we were drinking and I was always drinking like local beers. Um, so he's like, dude, you should do a podcast where you go and like go to the, the breweries. So. So in like, uh, I think like in November of 2000 and what have been 16, 15, um, one of those years, <laughs> about a year and a half ago, um, I just started reaching out to places and places were really open. I'm like, I want you guys to tell your story, right? So that's my whole point is to allow you to tell your story. So it started off as a hobby, but over the last few months, it's really accelerated into something a lot bigger because I love the craft beer community here in Arizona. Like it's just such a, everybody's so welcoming. Um, so, and I've noticed there's a void in, there's a um, opportunity to get Arizona beer like on the, the big map. On the map. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's what my new mission is. My mission at this point is to kind of use this show um, and some other things that I'm working on to get Arizona on the map. Um, so whether it's through uh, podcasts or whether it's through getting writers together all under one umbrella, um, or video content, just creating a bunch of content to get Arizona out there. So, very cool. That's my well, goal. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Go. Well, good luck to you on that. And it sounds like it's working. So, it, so yeah. far, so good. Everybody's yeah. been really receptive. Um, get a lot of help from guys like you. You know, everyone that's like whatever you need. Um, Rob and Paul from the Brewers Guild met with them a few days ago, and uh, we're working on some pretty cool stuff. So they're like, dude, yeah, you can get things out. We're we're happy to. to be a part of that. 
Well, cool. So yeah, glad, well, thank you for asking. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I'm with Steve McFate. We are at the South uh, location, uh, Scottsdale Road, McDowell. Uh, what would you say, the southwest side? Yeah, yeah, yeah. basically just uh, south of uh, McDowell on the east side of Scottsdale Road. Okay. So right behind Papago Plaza. Most, gotcha. Lots, lots of craft beer people know Papago Plaza. So we're one freestanding building just to the south. Right, right. This place is beautiful too. Thank you. I love it. Yes. Thank Completely you. So, different than the place up north. Yeah, just yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Uh, a whole <laughs> lot bigger for sure. So yeah. uh, we actually just uh, turned two at this location, uh, our, okay. our two-year, we didn't celebrate an anniversary. We're going to kind of wait till it cools down and maybe do a, a anniversary party between the two stores. Okay. But uh, yeah, two years in this location. Um, took me about a year and a half to get it up and going. Okay. Nine, ten months worth of a build out and. The rest of that time was obviously spent on planning and permits and all that kind of stuff. All the fun stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah but no, it came out well. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. So we're, uh, we're about 400 seats here compared to the original location, which we're lucky if we could squeeze maybe 45, 50 people in there. Okay, yeah. So it's vastly different, yeah. um, not only in terms of just seating capacity, but also the size of the brewery. We started with a little seven-barrel system there, and we're doing 30-barrel batches over here. Oh, wow. Um, so okay. It was a little, little bit more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, well, let's get, I, I definitely want to dig in that, but, but sure. why, why beer? Like, how did you decide to get into this? Interesting question. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I need a drink. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> like, like, like so many, uh, kind of like your story for the, for the love of craft, yeah. you know, and even before I think it was called craft, well, certainly before it was called craft, uh, when I started drinking beer when I was a young, young, younger guy, um, I was always chasing down what I would consider something a little bit more eclectic. Okay. Of course, was drinking the you know, the Coors and the Buds and whatever might be available for the weekend party or whatever. Yeah. But I remember when I got to the point where I could go out and legally buy my own my own beer. Yeah. <laughs> um, chasing down a lot of European beer at that point, so okay. it it ended up being lots of imports, um, and so beer at that point you know fuller flavor. Um, anyway, fast forward, that love of something that's got. A full flavor to it has some complexity to it um, was something that I obviously enjoyed and continued to kind of grow with and uh, uh, as the craft beer revolution was starting to come into play um, I thought I'd, and not backing up a step I had also been a home brewer um, and what got me into home brewing was basically um, everything about the craft itself so hanging out brewing with friends on the weekend yeah um you know enjoying obviously obviously the fruits of fruits of our labor <laughs> right. um but being able to produce some beers that back in the day uh wouldn't have necessarily been readily available so it was a hobby certainly yeah um and kind of evolved into over a period of time well wouldn't it be cool to kind of see if i could maybe turn that into a business or yeah. an opportunity so that had been in my mind for years. Uh, my background is all in finance. The majority of my adult career was uh, spent uh, in a partnership in a finance company. It's a mortgage lending company. And uh, as 2008-9 rolling along, obviously the market's pretty ugly. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it was apparent that it was going to be ugly for a period of time as well. Um, so I told my business partner at that point that I was really interested in checking this whole beer scene out and um it was like funny on a serious level like to on, a serious yeah, level and, yeah. and it's funny because my business partner in that in that company was a childhood friend so we knew each other really really well and 
And he kind of scratched his head and goes, yeah, the markets are ugly now, but you know, you've done so well and we're doing well, even though things have slowed down, we're going to be fine. And I'm like, I'm not worried necessarily about that. I'm just like, it's time to do something different. Yeah. So he talked me into calling my uh, my checkout time, so to speak, uh, a sabbatical. Okay. So we agreed that I'd take a year off and I basically tried to learn as much about the beer industry as I possibly could in that year period of time and then was going to make a decision one way or the other to either jump back in or, or pursue the goal. And uh, anyway, that year I traveled a bunch, checked out as many breweries as I could, whether brew pub, brewery, uh, production, uh, anybody that would talk to me, anybody that I could get five minutes of their time kind yeah. of thing. Um, and I appreciate it when people approach me for that same thing because that's exactly how I got to be able to at least become somewhat uh, familiar with what all is involved. All the business um, side of it too, not I, just like make good beer. Exactly. And then, yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, there's the whole dynamic of, yeah, you know, you know, we sit around, we drink great beer, have great conversations, and you meet lots of people that are fun, but there's the whole business aspect of yeah. it, which, you know, uh, completely different, uh, uh, obviously, field than what I had done before. So uh, I took that year, um, enjoyed every moment of it. That year kind of came and went very quickly, and uh, it was time to make the decision, either yeah. go back in or basically take the, plunge. Take the exit. Yeah. <laughs> so I did decide to take the exit, which was pretty crazy. Um, and uh, I, at that point, decided to get serious about it. I uh, attended the uh, Siebel Institute in Chicago, okay. did their concise course. I didn't do their full one. Um, I wish I would have had the time or the luxury of, uh, of taking that much time to be able to do it, but it wasn't possible. Okay. Um, and then uh, I moved up. Well, anyway, back, uh, to back up one more time, um, when I was in uh, traveling that year that I had taken off, I was able to meet uh, Tom Hennessy. Uh, out of Colorado boy in Ridgeway, Colorado. So okay. kind of southwestern Colorado. Yeah. Um, super nice guy, very informative. And he, at that point in time, was um, starting what he called an immersion course, which was basically inviting somebody up who had an interest in getting into the industry um, in a week's period of time, which is obviously very short, but give them an overview, let them spend a day in the brewery, look at the business side of things from uh, systems and those kinds of things, help source equipment depending on how far along you are. Um, anyway, long story short, I ended up going and doing his course, um, and which was, a, like I said, it was only a week long, so very concentrated and very much uh, an overview. Um, yeah, but immersion, like in the but, name itself, right? You're, you're right in it, exactly. In, yeah. um, anyway, so I came back. Guns loaded, trying to figure out what I was going to do. Started looking for space. Started trying to source equipment. And um, believe it or not, at that point, location and uh, and physical space uh, was a little bit of a challenge because the market was so topsy turvy with the economy. Um, buildings that were available had all kinds of hair on them, if so to speak. Mm. So whether it ended up being a uh, whether it ended up being a uh, uh, landlord that was upside down getting ready to lose the bank to a foreclosure whether it was a building that was too close to a church or a school yeah. or um, just all kinds of crazy things right so, so everything had something something everything attached had, to yeah. it yeah so I, you know I spent three or four months doing that and I thought wow this is so much more difficult than I expected even just find, trying to find that perfect location yeah and uh, so I scratched my head and was getting really frustrated and staying in contact with Tom up at Colorado Boy Tom said, hey, you know, why don't you, I need help, why don't you come up, spend a year here, get that much more experience, um, 
and maybe when you get back, the economy and market be a little bit different, and also you'll be more confident in what you're doing. Because honestly, and I was probably a little bit gun shy um, okay. as well. Yeah. So anyway, um, very long story, but make it short. It's great I, though. I, like I, it, yeah. I spent uh, a year in Colorado working at this tiny little brewery in this little mountain town. Um, enjoyed yeah. every single minute of it. Um, would have stayed if I could have, uh, you know, turned it into a yeah. living, so to speak. <laughs> right, right. But uh, it was funny because talk about small. It was, you know, basically a little 20, 25 seat pub. Uh, uh, summertime, the patio or the sidewalk areas all open up, so you know, I could see a lot more. But um, just a very, very fun experience, and that really was the epitome of a, a small hometown brewery. Yeah. And uh, I end up, you know, I loved everything about it. Right. Um, you have to have oh. seen something new too to offer that to like you, know you were going into it serious. Yeah, yeah well, and, and we hit it off, and, and the fact that, um, A, he needed a little bit of help just from a staffing perspective. B, I think we uh, intrigued each other in terms of some of our business background. Okay. He'd done some very large projects in the beer industry and restaurant industry as well, uh, down to Colorado Boy being the, the smallest. And so um, it's... It was a, it was a, it was a good, uh, it was a good mix. Yeah. yeah, and it probably, and it probably ingrained in you that like that passion, like even deeper, of like yeah. this is it, this is what yeah. I want to do. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and you know, one thing you sent out the other day on your uh, social media that I loved was uh, the letter. Like oh. you sent out test results as yeah. a kid, right? Yeah. As a doctor. Yeah. So that to me, like just took it home. Like, dude, this guy follows through. Like, it's not like, hey, a doctor exam when I'm a kid, you know? So what, what was that? Tell me oh, about that. Oh, that. that was really funny. So I, I don't know what my infatuation was, but uh, I either wanted to be a veterinarian or a doctor very early on. And then it turned into being a truck driver at some point. It's so funny. <laughs> okay. But uh, yeah, I was, I, was, I was absolutely, you know, to, to look at a stethoscope, or a syringe or, you know, uh, any of those things. And, you know, I asked at nine years old for a first aid kit for Christmas, yeah. you know, just, just goofy stuff. <laughs> like real bandages yeah, and stuff. Real yeah, real bandages and yeah. stuff. And I got, I got my cousin who was older than me at that point for her to play along with me in terms of being the patient. And I typed up the results and, yeah. uh, you know, uh, and sent them off to her in the mail. And <laughs> she mailed it back to me. Uh, she was going through her stuff. And, and uh, a couple of weeks ago, she mails it back to me yeah. literally from... 30 years ago yeah. or so. so anyway. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I li- I just I laughed at that. That was that's super thorough. And it even had like a stamp on it like te- important test yeah, results or exactly. something. Yeah. 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 So, okay, so you did you go to Colorado and now at this point you you're like this is what I want to do. So, so the North location opened up in 2012, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. So, I finished uh, finished up at the end of 2011 up at Colorado Boy. Came back and um, was able to again start looking pretty hard. Um, even though I wanted to kind of be in a little bit more central area, that particular location up there fit in terms of size. It had some built-in infrastructure because it had been an operating restaurant before. Okay, A gotcha. small one at that, but it had been an yeah. uh, operating restaurant. Um, believe it or not, the landlord at that point actually had a little bit of tenant improvement money, which was pretty much non-existent at that point. Oh, okay. Um, so it helped with some of the build-out costs. Um, yeah. And... Uh, and I knew that area uh, from being a kid. I actually grew up south of there, um, kind of right in between this south location and that north location. Okay. But long, uh, along the way, um, I uh, used to work at, I used to race bicycles as a kid, and I okay. worked at a couple bike shops that were at Scottsdale and Shea. Yeah. And so, um, very, very familiar with the area just because the bike shops were up there. Yeah. And so I thought, you know what, I'll give that a stab, and you know. It, it ended up being a little bit uh, out of the, the, the kind of centralness of 
of a lot of um, the craft community. But at that point, when we opened in 2012, if I'm not mistaken, statewide, I think we had about 30 breweries. That sounds about somewhere right. Somewhere yeah. 30, 35. And uh, today, I think statewide, we're closer to that 70 number. Yeah. Um, so obviously, um, incredible growth. Um, I guess where I go to that is it was definitely a very local neighborhood place. Yeah. But at that point in 2012, we had a lot of people from other parts of the valley traveling up there because there weren't that many breweries around. Right. Matter of fact, we were the only operational brewery in Scottsdale at that point. Not that there hadn't been before. Yeah. Hops had been around before and, uh, and several others. But um, at that point in time, we were the only actual operating with a, with a brewery on site. Yeah. Um, and that's obviously changed changed a lot. Landscape yeah. obviously has changed. But anyway, opened that in 2012. Um, signed the lease in April. Okay. And then uh, did as much of the build out as we could ourselves and then uh, open the doors physically in November. Gotcha. So this November um, will be five years old there. Five years, nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. We used to live right up there. We lived at Tatum and Shea. Um, nice. So we would always drive We would always drive by there and we see the sign like brewery open. We're like, ah, yeah. we're, we're so anxious. Um, so then when we first went, like we were blown away because the beer was fantastic. So. So my wife and I, she's not much of a craft beer person. Um, I've talked about her a few times in previous episodes. I don't know how she feels about that, but <laughs> but course, she knows, yeah. you know, going into like places like Mother Road and, and you know, the, the original historic location in a warehouse, you know, it's it's for craft beer people, right. you know, and she would go and she loved it. And especially if they had really good water tap, like if they had good water, she's like, okay, cool, I'll yeah. go back. But when we went into your place, she was blown away. She's like, I love this place. She's like, it's beautiful. Like, um, I think you guys had wine at that time, right? Yep, Immediately. Yep. Um, but just the design of it, like, it was like a, it was like a higher scale, like brewery. And, and it was, it, it was, was so funny because we did all the build out ourselves, um, other than the big, big structural kind of things. But my goal was, and it, and it turned out a little, actually turned out nicer than I actually expected it to. Nice. Um, you know, it's funny. We built I did this on a shoestring budget. Okay. Very, very shoestring. Yeah. Uh, so built tables ourselves, refinished all the chairs, poured a concrete bar top, um, you know, ran the draft lines ourselves, uh, you know, repainted everything, fixture-wise, all that kind of stuff. So it took me much longer. I probably would have been better off paying somebody because it okay. probably took us an extra couple months longer than it really should have. Yeah. But um, I, I think it translated into the look and the feel of okay. the place. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest compliments that I get and one of my proudest moments, um, although I'm proud of the South location here, I'm really proud of that because it, it is that small, intimate, little neighborhood place. Yeah. Super comfortable. So easy to talk to people up there. Yep. Um, I mean, we have regulars that uh, have been there from day one and knock on wood, um, other than just recently, the majority of my staff has been with me for almost the four and a half years. Oh, nice. uh, we're just now yeah. starting to see some significant changes there. But um, anyway, it's been a it's been a, a great little location. Um, some of the attention is pulled away from it because the yeah. South location opened. Yeah. Okay. Um, so with this being the uh, the broader scale in terms of a restaurant, bigger menu, yeah. the North location, of course, for you obviously know the menu there, but. Um, it's uh, wood-fired pizzas, salads, you know, uh, wood-fired appetizers, those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, and then at the South location, we have a full kitchen. Full, that, huge, big you know, menu. Pretty much yeah. does a little bit of everything. So. Yeah. But don't downplay those pizzas up there. Yeah. No, those, those things are unreal. Pizzas yeah. are that's our shining <laughs> shining point. So yeah. we'll uh, you know we'll we'll take advantage of of uh, continuing to highlight those. Yeah. But uh, we're gonna do a little little tiny bit of a kitchen remodel up there. And okay, nice. And. Uh, 
yeah, just yeah. Uh, at five years, I think it's time to freshen up things a little bit as well. So, yeah, gotcha. Uh, so what about so this location? What, what when did you get to a point where you're like, okay, it's it's time to take that next step? Okay, good. Actually, um, it was funny because. You've seen this, saw the size of the, the north location. So uh -huh. it's, like I said, about 50, 45, 50 seats in 21, 2200 square feet, including the brewery. Mm -hmm. So everything's packed right in there. Super right in there. Yeah. And that's kind of um, cool that you have that little place where you have, can see yeah, brewing. The, yeah, you know, the, the brewery kind of surrounded by the glass so you could kind of see what's going on. Yeah. We're hauling, you know, bags of grain in for the brew day and we're shoveling it out in, in, uh, in barrels, you know, once we're finished and, you know, all during the middle of service. Um, what we found out right away was it was very difficult for us to keep up on the demand of the beer. Oh, gotcha. Um, in a perfect world and in hindsight, um, I should have had three or four more fermenters up there to be able to produce the amount of beer that would have probably made um, or put off looking for another location to brew beer, if that makes oh, sense. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So we only had a couple fermenters there. We would brew and ferment and do the process as quickly as we could without compromising the quality but we would run out of our own beers on a regular basis yeah uh, when we I, were yeah. you know our first year we we you know might have three or four of our own beers on which back in the day i, I think that used to be acceptable but it uh -huh. certainly uh, the consumer does not like that these days they yeah. want a big selection well especially if it's something that they like and they go back and they want the red and they're like sorry we don't have the red yep, exactly yeah, yeah and then one thing that we did that uh ended up being probably complicated our lives even more but we felt very strongly about it was we love to do one-off beers and and experiment a bunch um uh, kind of my 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 again a, a really proud moment and my if we had a little claim to fame early on it was that we brewed about 200 different varieties of beer in our first two and a half years okay so things were gotcha. rotating yeah. all the time right. and the beauty of having such a small scale brewery is you can mix things up without a whole lot of financial risk yeah but i was running into the problem of kind of aggravating aggravating our customers by like you said not having that favorite yeah. that or that core if you will available yeah but we had also other people that would travel up because they knew it was always going to be different right so anyway, fast forward, um, we're a year and a half into it, and I'm like, you know, I'm trying to see if we can go sideways, up, out the back door, figure out a way to put another fermenter or two in there. Yeah. And uh, the locations next to us, neither one of them were going any direction. Okay. Uh, so we were pretty much landlocked at that point. Yeah. I started looking, um, in essence, just to go brew beer off-site somewhere. Okay. And feed that location with supplemental beer brewed off-site. Um, and you know, in a warehouse kind of environment, not necessarily to focus on production per se, per se, but to really just supply that or maybe another little uh, operation like that. Yeah. Um, I had no plan and still don't really have a big plan to get into any large scale distribution, but um, that kind of environment, it, it does exist, but it doesn't exist without me driving, and this is where I get really selfish, uh, <laughs> without driving 30 or 40 minutes across town to be able to afford a rent structure that would make something like that work, if uh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so, you live close too, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, basically living kind of south central, uh, it, it kind of made sense. So, you know, for me to find a, a reasonable rent or to be able to buy a building reasonably cost, um, I was going to be spending an hour commuting every day to a location that, um, that you know, would be affordable. Yeah. Um, and so I thought to myself, well, it may actually take a second location um, that has a brewery in it. And I might have to just up my budget, so to speak, 
yeah. to be able to um, to afford the space and produce enough beer. Yeah. Um, this building became available. It had been vacant for several years. Okay. Um, it has a pretty long history to it. It had been a series of buffets over its lifetime. Oh, really? Um, Interesting. Lastly, a, a hometown buffet. Okay. The entire building is 15,000 square feet, so it was a really, really large facility. Yeah. And uh, w when looking at it, I'm like, I certainly do not need all of that space, <laughs> but what a great opportunity because I could use the front of the building for restaurant. Yeah. Back of the building for a larger scale brewery. Still didn't need all the space, so we have a tenant next door. Yeah. Um, you know, again, if you would have asked me in 2011 or even 2012, as I was starting to form or get get up and going at the original location, that I would have gone this path, um, I would have shaken my head no in a yeah. in a very violent manner. <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, it's funny how things evolve, and you know, it. Although it's been a tremendous amount of fun, it has really turned into a business business now yeah, yeah. and uh, you know everything that I love about craft and you know the beer side of things and and all of all of that fun although it still exists it just has a different feeling when you have 60 full-time employees um, you know two different you know crews to run yeah. trying to integrate and merge the cultures together that because be they're, tough. they're really, be really different tough. yeah um, so there's been challenges it's it's a like I said, although it's been fun, it honestly has been, it's been challenging. It's a challenging thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah when yeah. you guys even dealt with, uh, I mean, a lot of people know about the, the, the name. The name yeah. was, uh, it's, That's it's, a wild story. Oh, yeah. Do you want to yeah. tell, tell this yeah. story? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so this is really interesting. Um, as I'm, actually, I had been open at the North location. So this, again, would be uh, actually rolling into 2013 at that point. Okay. Um, amazing how many solicitation calls you get on the phone trying to sell you something you know and anyway a call comes through and um, it's a credit card processing company wanting to sign me up for credit card services and and uh, the guy says congratulations on your new location and I'm like you must have us confused with someone else he goes no I'm up in Boulder Colorado and I'm literally looking across at the street of this building that's being renovated it says fate brewing company coming fate brewing company coming soon I'm like what? Um, <laughs> right. So anyway, um, I jump online, start doing some digging, and sure enough, um, I see that somebody has applied for a business registration, liquor license, all that kind of stuff up there using the name Fate Brewing Company. Um, I'd done my state filing for a uh, trade name. I had uh, started the process of the trademark not ever, having ever done either of those before. The state level one's super easy, but the federal one, there's a lot to it. Um, very long story, long story short though, uh, their application and filing beat mine. Even though that I was operational and open for about six months, Yeah, we did have some interstate sales, which um, is a really kind of a big thing in the trade, uh, in, in validating a trade, Mark. Okay. Um, our interstate sales was simply participating in beer fests that somebody would buy it, you know, Great American Beer Fest as an example. Yeah. Um, so we thought we had a reasonable chance of, to be able to, to quash their application. And uh, we met, or I met, with, uh, with their principal up there probably four or five different times, all in friendly terms saying, hey, can we work this out? Let's go have a beer kind of thing. And yeah. it was very interesting because um, we agreed to basically coexist and we did that for three years. Um, 
everything changed like flipping a light switch when I opened this location though. Oh, gotcha. So what what triggered it, I believe, is when they saw the size and the scale, and they've, they've got a significant operation up there as well. Okay. Um, uh, certainly was much, much larger than our original North location. Um, and the uh, opening of this triggered it, and we were served with a, with, with a, a lawsuit, in essence, uh, yeah. claiming um, their superior use on it. Um, had lots of discussion, negotiation. Um, at that point, it was time to engage attorneys and all of that stuff that is, is brutal, expensive, uh, waste of time, and most importantly, it just, you know, it just messes with your mind overall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, turning something that is so positive into something that is just really uh, aggravating and uh, you know, everything that goes along with it. Yeah. They certainly had their points. I certainly had our points. I still to this day don't understand how they could not have known about our name and operation, but at the same time, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, we ended up settling versus going through what would probably have been, you know, thousands upon thousands of dollars worth of legal fees and still in a very, very gray area whether we would have actually uh, come out our top or not. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so we decided to go ahead and just add the MC. Uh, yeah. The whole reason I didn't use McFate to begin with is I really didn't want to use my last name, okay. but I thought, you know, fate as itself yeah. uh, was kind of cool. And uh, anyway, we, yeah. uh, we slapped the MC in front of it, yeah. um, did a rebranding party, which uh, that day actually was one of our biggest days on record. Oh, nice. Uh, great support. We, we kind of treated it a little bit like a uh, garage sale. Um, <laughs> so we had all logo glasses at that point and all of our T-shirts. So basically you come in that day and we fill a pint for you. You keep the glassware and all the growler stuff. And um, it was really fun, sad, but fun at the yeah. same time just because uh, it was amazing how much support there was really out there. Um, we came across as being, you know, we know how fickle and how, um, if you don't react the right way or honorable, honorable way, how quickly that can work against you, especially in the craft beer world. Yeah. You know, I think one of the examples was when, uh, who was it, uh, was suing Sierra Nevada over just the letters IPA, um, and had an enormous amount of backlash, uh, just because, uh, a a lettering or a font was similar. Uh, I want to say it was Lagunitas, but I could be wrong. Okay. But, um, anyway, um, we took the high road, um, and it ended up working out really well for us. Um, it was expensive, but, um, you know, here we are today. Uh, that change has been a little over a year and, and it's gone well. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you guys keep that momentum going and, yeah. and, and you still, and I mean, that, that's gotta be a lot changing out all the merchandise. Yeah. I mean, every little thing you see menus, the backs of these chairs, yeah. you know, were the backs of the chairs, um, were they fate? So yeah, they were all stamped yeah. with fate okay. with a, with an iron brand, yeah. excuse me, an, a wood iron brand. And so again, do it yourself or I went yeah. and uh, had an MC made on this little brand <laughs> and we went around and did every, every little one. Yeah. Then the signage out front, you know, slid letters down in areas. Some things weren't, you know, were static that we couldn't do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was expensive and it was painful, but we we used it to spin it in a positive light and really um, thank goodness to our, our great customers, uh, you know, turned it into a really positive thing. Yeah. Well, now they're collectors' items. Like I yeah. have a fate growler on the fridge in my in my. It's funny garage. you say that because yeah. I yeah we have people that come in in the classic shirts and 
and they're just as proud as can be because yeah. they're wearing the original merchandise. So yeah. it's really, it is fun to see that. That's and awesome. We have, we have people that go up there and, and they might be at, up there being bolder and have a have a beer at their place wearing our, our shirt and it's, yeah. you know, they tag us and take a picture. So it's nice. Fun. Yeah. nice. I had a friend that moved to uh, moved to Colorado. She's like, hey, she's like, uh, she's like, we should we should go to this fate up here and and uh, yell at him. So I can't remember exactly what she said. I'm like, I'm not even going up yeah. there. No, I'm, I'm going to stick with McFate. But yeah. it, it just and and that, I think that's symbolic of, of just your reputation within this beer community too. Because you, since I started this, you've been like at the top of my list of the people that I've wanted to get on the well, show. Thank you. Yeah, and then that. throughout doing it. Everybody that I talk to, there's everybody has a story where you're connected. We're like, oh, I was struggling with this, so I went to Steve, and Steve was helpful. Uh, Justin Cross, the Alpha Ale. Sure. Like even, I mean, a home brewer. Like it was yeah. a home brewer who needed. I can't remember what it was because I, I don't know anything really about brewing, but there was some ingredient he needed, and he. I think he posted on social media, and you reached uh, out yep. like, dude, come on down. Yeah. That's yeah. huge, man. Yeah, we That's had some awesome. extra glycol hanging out. And, yeah. 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 So, you know what? I appreciate that. Um, it's funny because it it's. It really is an industry, although it kind of bothers me that it is changing a bit, um, just based on competition, but um, it is an industry where there's a great deal of camaraderie, mm -hmm. shared best practices, um, uh, being hyper-local, somebody running out of a bag of this particular grain, trading around, uh, even trading some hops and those kinds of things. I mean, it really is, uh, I would say, you know, there's 90% that really, really, uh, that are participating that really, really get it. Yeah. Um, and it's just in their nature. They're, they're good people. Um, beer tends to, craft beer specifically, I should say, tends mm -hmm. to draw some really, really nice characters. So I'm proud yeah. to be a part of it. And, uh, you know, coming from a background where everything was so cut and dry and it was, you know, everything was about money and deadlines and timelines and, and not that I... I mean, I, I have to run this as a business, so there's sometimes some really tough decisions to be made. But, yeah. but uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying my best to, to keep it humble, to keep it relative to what the craft beer community really is truly about. Yeah. Easy to say, sometimes hard to do. Sure, sure. Yeah, well, especially if you're known as the guy that, like, uh, hey, if you need something, if you're going to put a brewery, call up Steve. He'll sit down with you. And now you got all these people yeah. reaching out. <laughs> you know, it's, it, I, and that is actually one of, the, one of the best things, although my time has become so much... Uh, more limited uh, recently, but I honestly, to sit down and have a beer with somebody and talk about somebody's dreams or passions or hopes, um, it's, it's where I was, you know, five, six, seven years ago. Yeah. Um, and so, I, you know, I can appreciate it and love to be able to turn that around. It's funny, Arizona Beer Week, not this last year, but the year before, we hosted a, uh, a, um, an event of how to open your own brewery on a, you know, it was a basically an hour and a half talk uh, about how I did it, how I, uh, you know, what methods I, I, I took to learn. Uh, my mentor, Tom Hennessy, came down from Colorado, so he spoke nice. and did a little presentation on sourcing equipment inexpensively. And I will tell you, so we held it back in the brewery area before we had some additional tanks. Now it's all full almost, but we must have had a head count of around 75 people. Mm. And when I actually it was more than that because there's a lot of people there were, were had guests. But when I when I uh, asked the question, how many people are, are seriously thinking about doing this within the next year, two years, etc. I mean, it was amazing how many hands actually went up. Um, people are you know they they love love the idea. Um, yeah. And it's you know I, I'm of the belief that every neighborhood could have its own little 
brew pub. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the sh- a shining star that's out there competing for all kinds of attention. Right. But it, just like a, a good local neighborhood coffee joint, yeah. um, I think brew pubs can be that. Um, the restaurant component to it, that's a whole other issue, mm-hmm. and it's very difficult to run a restaurant. Um, we're in a market where I felt it was necessary. Just that's my personal belief, although there are people that are doing it without restaurants yeah. or brew pubs, but just mainly a brewery or a tap room. But um, I guess where I'm going is there's plenty of room out there still in Arizona. I think Arizona, cliche, but it's an underserved market, mm-hmm. even with the number that we have. Um, but I think if people um, or entrepreneurs or brewers or beer enthusiasts want to do something, I think it's still available. Mm-hmm. Um, my encouragement now is something that's hyper-local to an area that you really want to be in mm. and build a presence there. Okay. What do you mean by that? Like, uh, like. So, as an example, um, you know, um, although North... So, I'm going to actually speak out of both sides of my mouth. So, okay. I'm going to my, contradict myself a little bit here, and I know I'm doing it purposely, but North, as an example, if I had had another three or four fermenters, I certainly would not have looked at expanding so rapidly. Okay. It was a need. It, you, you, it was a need. Yeah. So today though, if I was if I was if I have the knowledge that I have today and I wanted to go in to the industry without enormous risk and enormous expectation, I would look at doing something that would serve a specific community first and foremost. Okay. In other words, your lowest lying fruit are the people that are in your neighborhood that will come to you and support you. Right. Chasing all of the beer accolades from the beer community. Nothing wrong with that. Uh-huh. But at the same time, what I've experienced specifically at North and it's starting to grow here are just the sheer number of guests and enthusiasts that come in that are right here in our neighborhood. Mm, sure, okay. we have people coming from across town every now and then because they're on a brew tour or they they want to try something out. You know, yeah. Like, like me, I drive across town to go check out a new brewery. Um, but I think as far as sustainability goes, I think if you can build that small local traffic, just like a little coffee place, yeah. Uh, I think I think it's a model that works, and yeah. I think it works well. And I think if you do it with low overhead. Um, I think there's success to be had. Yeah. And so you're saying like the, the, the area that you're in, like you go to a place like an older community, like retirement community, kind of Sun City area, right? Doing more um, of like... No, I, you know, I think it could be wherever you're passionate about being, uh-huh. as, long as, as long as there's some form of demographic there that you can truly judge okay. yeah. and, and, and see the value in it. Um, I guess my, to get my point across uh, or to try to get it across clearly is that um, focusing on neighborhood mm. right around you and building those regulars, N- not necessarily trying to be everything to everybody. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, um, I think I think that's a a, a great way. Mm. Um, you know, there's been some startups that have come out of the gate enormously strong. They're already distributing. Super proud of those guys that are doing it. Yeah. You know, you look at Tombstone right now, and those guys. You know, talk about Matt, super nice guy. I've been talking to Matt on and off for several years. Yeah. And uh, when he said Tombstone to begin with, I'm like, that's amazing that you're willing to make that kind of a change. Yeah. Go down there, 
pull the trigger in you know a relatively tourist market. Yeah. And apparently they have some nice local traffic, but he's putting all the effort that he should, and 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 he's reaping the rewards of getting his beer up here with great success and great accolades because it's a good quality beer. Right. Um. So that's kind of the that's successful, of course. Yeah. It's kind of the polar opposite though of what I'm talking about uh, okay. of that small little no- neighborhood place. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, I know what you so. mean. Like they're in they're in Tombstone and they're not thinking, okay, Tombstone is our market. Right. They're thinking we're in Tombstone, yeah. but our market is right. Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're yeah. saying. And yeah. And when I go with a big metropolitan area, and whether it's Phoenix, whether it's a Tucson, whether it's a you know, uh, just larger metropolitan area. There's so many communities around. Um, you know, Phoenix barely has neighborhoods. There's some that are starting to form. Right. You know, um, with substance and with some age on them. And and uh, you know, Arcadia is a, a great example, but it's also a, you know it's an, uh, unattainable for a lot. Of, you know, it's just become such a such a high priced area. Right. But right. Um, I, where I'm going with that is is uh, you know I look at. Uh, um, um, I'm gonna draw a blank. Thank you. <laughs> um, some of those small little 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 beer bars and tasting places, like the Wandering Tortoise. Wandering, like exactly. That. That's where I was going. Okay. Uh, Justin over there, totally lost it. Sorry. <laughs> hi, hi, Justin. Um, anyway, obviously great success because yeah. they're uh, focused on quality and they're bringing in a ton of people from their little area. Yeah. Um, yeah. And people so. love that. Like if it's like, dude, Ren House is right down the street from from yep. me. Yeah. Um, that's interesting, and, and I think that was a key to your north location was was that engagement that the that the staff had with the people. Like, I felt like bad when it, when we moved. So probably a year after you guys moved in, we moved like north. So I'm like, that was one of the worst things for me. It's like I'm not going to be by fate anymore, you know. So so when I will go when I'll go in there sometimes. Um, it's almost like an envious, like what could have been. Because I go in, they're like, "Oh, hey, Jim. Oh, hey, Tom. You want to, yeah. you know?" And I'm like, "Well, that could have been me, you know." Yeah. But that's awesome because that's the engagement that that staff is having with with that community, yeah. and they're going. They're the people locally are going there, yeah. and that's their spot, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's it's. There's a lot to be said for it, and uh, yeah, it's uh, again, it's honestly is my my proudest moment is is the the community side of what, what you can build. Yeah, so. absolutely. And I don't think, we haven't even talked. You guys actually have beer here. Yeah, too, we have right? beer, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Uh, you've got a lineup here for me. And um, well, the first one that I had, that was the False Promises. So that was fantastic. Did you do, yeah, did you do False Promise or did you do, yeah. Yeah, I did yeah, False okay. Promises. Gotcha. Yep. Yep. So very low IBU beer. Excuse me. Um, basically getting its, uh, its, bitterness if you will or hop character really all outside of the boil process so typically okay. speaking um, a lot of the flavor is is derived during boil process because that's when hops are gonna do their their thing from a flavor perspective okay dry hopping you get more aroma you can certainly get flavor on it as well right. um, and that's where um, in essence this beer was basically all um, to get hop character was all done in in uh, in a dry hop kind of a manner, so okay. outside of the boil. Gotcha. So. And so, of, of everything you have, that would have been the closest thing to like a New England style, um, in a way. Just in terms of, um, it was a cloudy beer, yeah. and there's a lot of character to it from the yeast. Um, but um, it's still quite a ways away from what a, a true New England style would okay. be, which is obviously, you know, on fire right now. Oh yeah. You never say never. We'll, you know, I have no problem doing one of those types of beers. We get lots of requests for it. Right. Um, there's so much going on with them right now. We might wait for the market to settle down a little bit and <laughs> right. do something on it. Yeah. 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 
Oh. It, it was fantastic, though. Good. It was. And then this okay. one right here, this is the this is the big one right now. This is the uh, Ochata so Milkshake. So that's the Yeah. So, um, interesting beer. We, we have basically a, uh, a wheat base with uh, a lot of milk sugar in it. And um, I don't know if you remember or had tried before, but um, our kind of goal on that beer is to take the same base of it and add a different adjunct per batch. Okay. So we did a strawberry milkshake. I remember that and one, And then yeah. this is the oat chata version okay. of it. So same base beer. Um, this one, uh, uh, Adam and crew back there um, did basically uh, an oat milk. Okay. So steeped a bunch of oat, created a, a, a milky solution off of it, and used a lot of that. And then, of course, the, some cinnamon on it. Um, so kind of going after the horchata um, yeah. the theme on it. But uh, lots of uh, lots of milk sugar in it, so it gives you a little bit of a, you know, I don't know if you want to call it creamy, but you definitely get body in it yeah. in terms of that. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's been a fun beer. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm not personally a big fan of horchata per se myself. Okay. Yeah. The strawberry version of it, I absolutely love. That's I mean, your, yeah. Uh, but what's fun about it is, so we're going to take that and we'll do different, like I said, we'll do different, I'm not sure what's on the burner next, but we'll do that same beer, you know, maybe it'll be a, an orange milkshake next time or, a, you know, who knows. But right. again, that's the beauty of, and we've done that with several different base beers that we've just change what that adjunct might actually have that be. foundation and yep. then you can kind yeah. of go off from you know, there yeah um one of the beers that we do although it's not on the menu right now but the single hop series okay yeah so uh it's a single hop sour so a, a very mild sour but um we'll take and we'll uh mix up what the actual uh, hop is used it's one single hop so you okay. get a little bit of a profile of what that hop character might give um so it's kind of a fun way to be able to judge what this hop brings versus that hop. Okay. That makes sense. Yes. Yes. And, and I'm, I'm officially like, uh, for my listeners, I'm officially on the sour train now. It took me a while to, I was like, oh, sour is like, and each time I would tell people, I'm like, I don't really like sours, but yours is really good. So then I started realizing, well, maybe I do. Cause everywhere I go and I have the sours, this thing is fantastic. This is the fruity McPunch. That's a fruity McPunch. Yeah. So, um, Lots of really good feedback on that beer. It's interesting because we don't do that many sours to begin with, and, and the sours that we do do tend to be relatively mild. Okay. It seems to be yeah. what our customer base wants um, as well as what our abilities are. Um, souring beers, as we know, can be a, a really big challenge in a brewery just it's because risky. of cross-contamination yeah. and all that. So we kettle sour our beers, which is not uncommon for a brewery to yeah. do. Basically, what we do is we boil off any of that harmful bacteria before it ha would have a chance to be able to get into anything else. Okay. Well, some of the big sourhouse breweries that that's all they do, or they have a you know specialized segment or uh, area, um, they'll use different techniques on it. But anyway, long story short, on the McFruity, uh, on the fruity McPunch, um, it's really uh, just gotten a lot of attention. That it, people that don't like sours typically um, or are averse to a sour beer. Uh, are trying it and really enjoying it because it's got a lot going on. It's not it does, it's yeah. not super sour, but no. um, lots of the you know obviously lots of the fruit characteristic on it and a little bit of everything in there. It, so. it really is it, because it is it, it's that's a great name McPunch because yeah. it is like a fruit punch. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, you guys describe it as the perfect poolside pink drink. Yeah, and that's a great description. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And at five percent, I mean, it, it's it is an easy drinker. You can. Mm -hmm. uh, you can have a few of them and still feel pretty good about yourself. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. And I, there's even a malt liquor on here. That, that's what blew me away is I've never seen. So this is uh, yeah. 
What is this? Tell me. So uh, Maria's Fine Malt Liquor. So it's American-style malt, malt liquor. Um, again, it, trying to trying to be creative all the time. That was the first one you had. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm looking. I'm like, oh, it's gone. I was going to take another drink. Yeah. Tr- trying to, um, you know, continue to be creative and come up with things. And I'm going to give all the accolades here where I've, I've skipped over. Adam Schmeichel, who is our, our head brewer, what an amazingly creative guy. Um, his background... Um, Certainly in brewing, he did a little bit of work in the wine industry, but he also has a Culinary Institute of America degree, which is a pretty high-end culinary degree out of New York City, Hyde Park specifically. Um, This guy gets flavors, flavor combinations, melding and mixing and all those kinds of things. Um, So he's super creative, but even the most creative guy every now and then, and collaboratively, we scratch our head and go, what's next? Right. (laughs) And it was kind of funny because I don't know how the subject of malt liquor came up, but, you know, as a younger drinker, um, let's face it, I, I might have gone for a higher ABV beer based on the economic situation that I was once in. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and so we thought, well, heck, let's, you know, let's, let's have a little play off of the old style malt liquors and yeah. see if we can actually make something that's got some nice flavor to it, not be overly hot, not yeah. be, you know, crazy. Um, and so uh, it came about. We did a, a single batch of it. Will it come back? Probably not. People like yeah. it. But they like it as a one and done kind of thing. Right. It's got yeah. a little bit of horsepower at seven yeah, percent. It's it not does. every. It's not in everybody's wheelhouse, but it was a really fun beer to do. Yeah. So. Well, and I love the description too. It is simply impactful. Fine malt liquor for distinguished taste, inspired by the good old days. <laughs> Truly. Yeah. I don't know about you. Do you ever remember Mickey's? Uh, Big oh, Mounts? Mickey's. Yeah. And what was the other one too? The um, uh, there was a lot of malt liquors that came in forties. Um, I'm, I'm picturing this, the logo of it. I can't remember what it was, but there was like Colt 45 was yeah. malt liquor, right? Yeah. Yeah, but you're right. Like, you're like, okay, I'm not going for flavor. I'm going for, I'm in college. I've got $14 yep. <laughs> between three of us. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've got to make this, got to make it work for, right. for for the evening or whatever it might be. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Old yeah. English. That's what I was Old thinking. English, Old yeah. English, yeah. Old English, yeah, the O-E. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's good, though. It, that was really good, and I wish I could taste it right now, too. Um, but I drank it all already. <laughs> but that leads us to this last one, because I you got quite a few on. I mean, there's how many you have on tap? You brought close to 20? So we probably have about 16, okay. 16 18 beers total on tap. Okay. Um, we're trying to have, it's, it's interesting. You know, like I said, starting out where we had struggled to keep three or four beers on tap. Right. Um, when we opened here, uh, I was struggling to keep maybe eight or nine. Uh, we've added fermentation space here. We pre-planned, so there's lots of room on it uh, in, the, in the brewery area. Uh, long story short, my goal is to have 12 to 14, maybe 16 beers max. It's interesting because once you ca- cross that threshold, anything about above 14 or so, it's interesting. It actually starts to work w- away from you a little bit or against you just a little bit just because there is such a broad selection on it. Right. Um, but it's fun nonetheless. Um, some of our batches aren't full size where we're double batching. Um, so you'll, you know, we still like to do the one-offs. So okay. anyway, long story short, uh, 14, 16 on now. Yeah. yeah. When you've got the ones that, that, that you always see here, right? I mean, you've got the you've got the red, you've got the... the yeah, so we, have, we're, we are building... Um, it's funny because, it, uh, believe it or not, almost five years into it, and we're still trying to figure out what our core beers really are. Okay. And what yeah. we do know, our Irish red, which had great success with, um, that was a beer that when I was at Colorado Boy, uh-huh. I was lucky enough to be on the brew team. We won a bronze medal. Oh, nice. Uh, great okay. American Beer Fest. Uh, Tom has won probably four or five medals on that particular beer. He was kind enough to share the recipe and let me go with it here, and we've made some tweaks yeah. on it here. Um, and then uh, 
Um, our Buena Vista Blonde on the lighter side and Oatmeal Crisp Lager, those are two that are going to be around on a, on a regular basis on the lighter end of things. Uh, Oatmeal Crisp is kind of nice. It's one of the few lagers that we do. Um, it actually has some flaked oat in it, um, and so it's got uh, got a nice smoothness to it from that. Okay. Um, I mentioned Irish Red. Fate, Fateful, our IPA, it's kind of our go-to IPA. Yeah. Um, that's a beer that we have on all the time. And once we, we're almost at the point, hops are always a big challenge, especially for the big IPAs. Yeah. Um, we're getting into a point where more and more of our hop contracts are starting to kick in. Okay. Hop contracts, futures, basically. Yeah. And so uh, Fatality, which is a beer which is not on the menu right now, but by far our best-selling beer overall yeah. when we have it. Okay. So my goal is to turn that into a, a year-round beer. That's um, fantastic. That's yeah. one of my so favorites, it's, yeah. It's kind of the roundness of it. Um, we're coming up in... Uh, not to switch subject, but in October, um, you probably, I don't know if you've heard of our candy bar milk stout before. Oh, yeah, I haven't yeah. heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> Have you heard about so, the candy? Yeah, I love it. So, Snickers uh, and a beer, yeah. We were really lucky. Again, we opened in November of 2012. The following um, September, we won a, uh, a uh, silver medal for the candy bar milk stout. Up at Great American Beer Fest. That's right, yeah. Uh, so that kind of set that beer on fire. Um, milk stout base, yeah. uh, roasted peanuts, cocoa nib, vanilla beans, a little bit of sea salt in it. Um, so that'll be released uh, the week before Halloween. Okay. That's and a big demand every year when that's yeah, coming out. It's people yeah. are like, yeah. Like and this year, uh, we bought a small little tiny canner. Uh, bought it from the guys down at, Drag at Dragoon in Tucson. Okay. And uh, it's a little two head manual cask uh, canner. And uh, we hope to have actually cans available of that for the nice. release as well. Okay. So that'll be a first for us in terms of uh, a beer that has a little bit of horsepower behind it in terms of uh, demand to yeah. kind of can it and do a special release day on that. Nice, nice. So. That beer is fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm usually, I'm, you, we were talking before, like you're, you like, you're a hop head. You like the IPAs. I do too. Um, I like stouts now and then, but when I when I've tried that one, I'm like, this is, it's like a Snickers beer. Like yeah. this is fantastic. And each year it's a little bit different, right? I mean, yeah. obviously I, there's going to be little little differences, but every year it's, it's fantastic. So, uh, Thanks yeah, we've done some <laughs> variations of it. You know, we did a, a thin mint version of it once. We did oh, a, really? a coconut almond version of it. Uh, did I an imperial was, king size version. So. I think that was last year, right? Yeah. There's yeah. a coconut version of it, I think, last year. That was year. last year, yeah. Yeah, coconut that was version. Really And we did good. the king size last year as okay. well. gotcha. So, yeah, it's a, it's a fun fun seasonal beer for, yeah. for us to mess around with. That's our only seasonal at this point. Okay, so, gotcha. Yeah. So the last one that I got here, this one's pretty exciting because... This is local, right? So we're talking yes. about the, the local focus in, in this AZ Malt IPL, India Pale Lager. Yeah. So um, first of all, uh, an India Pale Lager, something kind of different anyway. So basically a, a lager uh, with, with a nice hot profile to it. Um, but making it a whole lot more special is obviously using local malt right. um, and then doing the collaboration with Wonderlust, um, Nathan and crew up out of Flagstaff. Um, it's a, uh, you know, basically a German-style lager, hops, um, very crispy in flavor. Um, we would love to be able to do another. Well, would love to on a regular basis. Would love to use more local malt if we could. Yeah. Um, it was the first run that we've done because uh, the maltster is just getting his, you know, getting. His uh, his production. Is um, that Sanagua? Yeah, us. Uh, um, is that how you say it? 
in Verity Valley? I believe so. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, that's a local focus now, right? Yeah. They're trying to get malt here in Arizona, so you yeah. don't have to bring it in from other regions. And there's there's only a couple, if I'm not mistaken, uh, only a couple um, maltsters that are actually not even maltsters at that point. Um, he's trying to focus on actually malting his own as well. So it's not that malt, uh, excuse me, it's not that barley can't grow in Arizona. It can. But malting it and keeping it that local is creating a challenge. Oh, gotcha. And these guys are working on that. Yeah. So. That's awesome. And, and guys from Under the Lesser are great, too. Like that, that what is it? The, is it 928? The 928 uh, Farmhouse? Yeah. I could be completely yeah. off with that. It's their farmhouse, yeah. but it's fantastic. Yeah. 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 So, but that's just cool that it's it's that local aspect. And that's, I, my goal with this show, like I told you before, is to get Arizona beer on the national map. Because I think that there's, and I, I don't have... I, I use almost like my uh, my intel, my my agents in the field to tell me this, right? Because I've I've been to San Diego, I've been to Denver, but I wasn't really into the craft beer scene. Um, but I've got friends that are like, dude, Arizona's beer is we're up there, we're right. we're making that progress. So so how how do we do it? Like how does this happen? So um, that's probably the single most important question of the day, the year period of time that we're in yeah um it's quality 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 mm-hmm. quality um it is interesting because i think arizona beer has grown so much there's some really really fine beer out there that's being produced in arizona and yet we still kind of get a uh not necessarily the accolades and not that not that every beer has to be you know rated so highly this that or the other yeah but it's interesting because and i might get beat up a little bit for saying this but a lot of our really serious local enthusiasts from arizona can beat up pretty hard on arizona beer which Mm. i find a little interesting not that there's there's certainly nothing wrong with going out and chasing the whales not even chasing the whales but having the affinity for beers that are done over the top, fantastic. And yes, there, there's still a ton of room for improvement in what we're all doing on an Arizona level. But we're young in terms of craft beer. Certainly the efforts are being put forward. Um, it's certainly not easy. It's an easy task per se. Um, so how does it to answer your question, how does that happen? Um, collectively, as brewers in Arizona, uh, it's upping the bar on a quality level all the way around. And that's done by sharing best practices, by investment in the right equipment, techniques, training, um, everything that goes along with that. Um, you know, there's a great amount of marketing that's done as well in in in, in in uh, promoting beers and and not that I think that it should be driven by marketing but getting the word out about some of these special beers or beers that that are consistently high quality um, obviously makes makes a big a big difference right Um, you know to give a shout out um, the guys at Dragoon um, from day one and we're good friends, so uh, you know uh, this is certainly going to be very one-sided in my opinion. But 
Um, I think they're one of the best breweries uh, in the state. I think they do a fantastic job, and I think they do a fantastic job from a quality level mm -hmm. in e pretty much everything that they do. They've taken the time, put the resources in, um, and so I think they're a great example of um, of what leads to greatness for beer. Um, they've done a great job. Yeah. Any, anything that I can do and emulate based on their quality and uh, you know uh, the, the path that they followed, uh, you know, I'm 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 happy to happy to do and. You know, each time we've done a collaboration, we've done a couple over the years. Uh, it's always been fun, and it's always been a, a, a been a really special beer. Um, so anyway, uh, it just get, it comes down to quality. Yeah, yeah, producing quality, quality. Uh, and, and and getting the word out. And uh, you know, so many of us are are small enough to where we're not distributing much, if any at all. Um, you know, and uh, it just take it takes some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's new, like you said. I mean, when I moved out here in 2007, like there was, even in what, 2012, you said there's about 30 places. Yeah, about so, 30, 35 statewide, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. And, and there has been a growth in like the, the, the beer enthusiasts, and, and they're a big part of it too, like you said, yeah. of, of spreading that the positive word. And um, I mean, I don't know if I should say this on the air. I say on the air, but I can delete yeah. this out if I want to. <laughs> but uh, I got a bunny in Florida, right? So he ships me beer from there. I ship him stuff, you know, if I get fatality in cans or if I get mother of black IPA, we're, we're sharing it. And so it's like spreading that out, right? Yeah. It's it's creating that, that, um, that positive, I don't know, that positive energy out. To right. like, there's some good stuff coming out of here. Yeah. There is, and it's fun to watch the exchange when trades like that happen. Yeah. And I've never been a big trader because I, 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 I'm lazy. I, yeah. I, 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 I guess I just don't put that much effort in it. Right. But um, I'm lucky enough that I have friends that do, so mm -hmm. every now and then I get to drink some really good beer that I've not, you know, I may have had it in the past or, or, or something that's completely new. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's really fun to, to uh, see those exchanges happen and hear about the comments of them. Um, and let's face it, I mean, there's just so much good beer out there in yeah. general. Um, it's it's hard to hard to keep track of it. Yeah, of it all. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah, and you see the ones you see the ones on Instagram. Like I've seen so many Trillium cans, but I've never had it. You know, yeah. and then you you want to get it, and and sometimes I think the hype is uh, you know you drink it like Pliny, right? So uh, I was going to California, San Francisco, like uh, about six months ago and I wanted Pliny so bad like we went to all these different places everybody was sold out so we get to this bar on Haight-Ashbury and they have it on tap I'm like oh, here it is like you know I'm taking selfies of me like holding the glass before right. I drink it then I drink and I'm like ah like this is nothing special you know it was good it's good beer it's yeah, a good it's beer yeah. yeah but it was nothing like I've had so many other great beers just here in Arizona that yeah. are better than that you know so um so I think, yeah, you're right. We're we're creating great beer here, and just got to do that. And yep. it's you know people like me and people in the community that are you know we got to spread the word too. You know it's our responsibility to um, to put this out there and let people see it. You know, yep. so no, and and uh, not just sit here and blow your skirt up. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, no, <laughs> but it, please it, do. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's activities like this um, that that really do make a difference. Um, the more that we can focus on Arizona, Arizona breweries, and the more that we can share that with consumers, 
heck, I'm I'm in the business, and I still. Uh, it's interesting because I, you know, I, I I used to know every single brewery that was popping open and had a conversation with whoever it might have been that was involved, whether it was down in Tucson, Flagstaff, uh, Lake Havasu, whatever it might be, and uh, and now I'm playing catch up, trying to to learn about these these other breweries, their stories, etc. Yeah. Um, so it's really getting the getting the news out there, um, you know, a uh, lot a lot of fun stuff, a lot of lot of really dynamic things happening. Um, and by that, I just mean that there, there are people that are putting effort out on all kinds of different levels from, you know, the small little one, two barrel systems to um, the expansion of, uh, of uh, State 48 doing a big project right. down in uh, downtown Phoenix. So um, definitely uh, some exciting times ahead. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I get questions or asked as an opinion of do I think that there's saturation in the market overall? Yeah. And uh, sorry, I'm totally taking this into no. This is direction. great. This is great. No, but, I love um, it. But it, it is interesting because uh, again, I'll I'll speak out of both sides of my mouth and I'll do it purposely. Um, on a national level, certainly there are pockets that there are. Um, Arizona. When I said earlier in the in the cast that I think there could be a neighborhood brew pub or tap room in just about every neighborhood of the city I still believe that but at the same time it's all got to be quality work Mm -hmm. so as long as it's quality I think there's room for it I think people that get into it for the wrong reasons and not intentionally wrong not an intentionally wrong reason or reasons right but you know the fact that it is a hobby turning it into business um, that's exactly what I did and that's usually a fatal mistake for Mm -hmm. a lot of folks let's yeah, face it yeah. um you know and knock on wood i was i was i was very very lucky to to transition and make it work um or people that might get into it thinking that it's a super lucrative deal yeah. or the fact that we'd sit around and drink beer all day you know although we do get to tip beers absolutely that's the that's why we all got in this thing because right. we love for our love of, of beer right but there's just so much more that goes into it um so, you know, I'm still extremely opti- optimistic that the market is, is still has plenty of opportunity, especially as we continue to, you know, kind of peck away at the, the AB and BEV market and those mm-hmm. kinds of things and the challenges that come from that. Um, but it is a matter of staying united and uh, working with our guilds and working, working with our national organization, the Brewers Association, um, to make those things happen. But... Uh, I think if you're in it for the right reason and you're focused on quality, um, it makes all the difference in the world. Um, I've seen some home brewers that have made the transition over and have done extremely well. Like their beers out of the gate, as solid as a as a quote unquote seasoned pro brewer. Right. And I've seen others that haven't been a set, that same case. Yeah. Uh, one of my fears when I opened is, although I had brewing experience and had long time home brewing. I know I didn't have that level of sophistication or expertise, I should say, okay. to be able to pull it off. So I hired somebody that had that eight or nine year worth of experience. Um, and so I guess uh, you know a bit of advice or uh, something that I've taken away from it is you know don't be afraid to say you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Um, in it and uh, you know relying on advice of people that have done it before is, goes a long way. And hopefully that all translates into good quality product right right and that 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 is the key like creative a grip product and and one thing that you said and this this is a common theme is the money you're not 
you don't get into this to get rich, right? I've said that to a few people and they've just laughed. Like, no. Like, you know, I talked to uh, one of my favorite guests of all time is Ben from Crooked Tooth down in Tucson. Sure. And uh, he's, he was telling me about, you know, I'm working eight hours, ten hours a day at my job. And then we come here and we'd work seven hours here, sleep for four hours. And he's like, we put so much into it. And, and they're working their asses off. You know what I mean? I go to Helio Basin and you've got Mike and Dustin that are, you know, working their asses off, grabbing glasses off the tables. They're, you guys are in it for the passion. And, yep. and that's, yeah, yep. I, I love that. And, and those are the types of environments that, uh, and, and, and attitudes that really, really make a difference. Uh, you know, Nathan at Wonderlust, uh, you know, full-time job. Uh, and a full-time full-time uh, brewery owner and brewer, you know, yeah. um, there's a lot of hard work that goes into it, and to be able to turn that corner, to be able to turn it into your full-time, I mean, first of all, it's scary. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you just got to spend a bunch of money on on infrastructure, and then you're gonna potentially pull your livelihood away. Some people can pull it off by doing the the dual thing. Those guys uh, that you mentioned, you know. They're all young, healthy, strong backs. <laughs> I don't know if that I'm there anymore. I, I, uh, I, I had to, yeah, I, I had to, uh, yeah, I, I, I like some sleep every now and then. Yeah, but anyway, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's, it's a really fun landscape, though, to see what's going on. All yeah. different levels. Um, like I said, the small little, uh, I mean, that's where we came from. That's where mm-hmm. I came from, and uh, I love it. And we're yeah. still small. We right. just happen to have a big restaurant associated with it, and yeah. that has its own set of, you know, challenges. Challenge. Oh yeah, restaurant yeah. itself. My my grandmother ran restaurants for years, and she's just like, she's like, no, don't even try. <laughs> you gotta have a special breed of, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, uh, <laughs> if I could do this, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful manner, but if I could do this, if I could be in the beer industry, which, again, I chose my path of selling beer under our own roof, and to be yeah. able to do that, I felt it was best to be able to have some food along with it. Right. And at North, we started with a very very small kitchen. This one has turned, morphed into something different, but uh, you know, I want to be in the beer industry first and foremost. But mm-hmm. the second, you know, secondarily, I want to make sure we have good food that right. pairs well with beer, and and that it's a good experience all the way around. But let's face it, I I would rather sit here and talk about a, a pint of beer than I would about the next menu change, if that right. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. But luckily, um, you know, we and others that operate in a similar model to us typically have some great uh creative people on the culinary side to to help make that that happen yeah well i mean it goes with that theme of you know i I, most people who are successful they're always thinking like i couldn't have done it without this person this person this Mm -hmm. and that's a that's another thing too of of being able to um not have the pride of like no this is what i want to do it's like dude this is your area you know food take it take it and run with it Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i uh one of my early mentors, not not in the beer industry, but early mentors in business, was, you know, always hire smarter than yourselves. Mm-hmm. Just know, you know, you've got to be knowledgeable, but it's okay to have somebody that's a whole lot brighter than you. Just know how to manage the situation. Right. Not that you're controlling them, but you know how to manage the situation. And and uh, yeah, so uh, I I made up a you know it's got to be eight to ten percent smarter than me and and they're they're good <laughs> are you a spreadsheet guy too <laughs> I, I was back in the day not so much anymore but yeah, yeah. i mean that was just a just a, a silly you know well, it's got to be a minimum of eight percent it's right i need you to answer these questions real quick uh mark this box yeah. from one to three yeah yeah 
Well, Steve, this has been awesome, man. Is there anything you want to add? Anything you want to add before we wrap things no, up? No, I just appreciate the, the fact that we finally were able to catch up and, yeah. and appreciate your interest in, in learning a little bit more about us. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. I've been coming to you guys for years. This is the place that I go to, and actually the north location typically because of that just neighborhood feel. When we bring people from out of town, they're like, oh, dude, let's check out breweries because they know I'm, I'm totally into breweries, so I'm going to take them somewhere good. It's always the first place. I appreciate yeah, that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So in the, uh, what is the fennel sausage in um, uh, goat cheese pizza is yeah. the go-to. I'm like, we'll take five of those. They're yeah. like, well, there's just three of you. I'm like, yeah, that's yeah, right. We'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Like we'll I said, it. five of those, please. Uh, but no, I, I really appreciate this. So, um, so yeah, you guys are, there's the south location at Scottsdale Road in McDowell. Uh, north location is Scottsdale Road in Shea. Correct. Right? Yep. McFateBrewing.com. Yes. Got a Facebook page. Uh, at McFate Brew Co. At, on Twitter, and then McFate Brewing on Instagram. Got it. Yep. Beautiful, beautiful. All right. You guys got to come here. I would say, if I, I'm, I'm going to throw something out. The pizza at the North location is my selection. For Absolutely. Sure. Yeah, yeah, that's my food of choice. Here, the wings at the South location. They're fan- pretty good. Fantastic. Thank you. Um, the beer, I would, I would recommend. I love this False Promises IPA. This is, this is really good. So um, if it's on tap, drink that. If it's not, drink something else because they're all good. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Steve. Good. Absolutely. All right. Cheers. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoy the show, do me a favor. Go to iTunes and give me a rating and review. Tell a friend. Spread the word, trying to get Arizona beer on the map. Uh, Big thanks to my man, Aaron Marcus, who's been shooting a video for a lot of these episodes and um, his branding ideas and everything. This this guy is awesome. So check out his page, uh, his Instagram page, uh, at 8amfilms. That's at 8amfilms. That's a lot to say, right? (laughs) But uh, yeah. Aaron is great, so a lot of this video content that we're creating for some of these episodes, that's all him. But um, but yeah, so check out the YouTube channel. Um, last episode we did was Goldwater, had a full 16-minute episode for that, and uh, we're going to do more of that. we got some really, really big ideas. But um, yeah, check out our website, Instagram, Facebook for Tap That AZ. Uh, in the meantime, always remember, stay awesome.